You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time, except we finished the Bible, and now we are working on stories that seem like they should be in the Bible, but aren't. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And I'm Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical. You got it. Before we do, we have to remind you of a few things, such as, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. Nor is it appropriate for children. I'm the ex-Christian. And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. And today we have a special third person in the studio with us. She's the host of the podcast Classroom Crush. She's a retired comedian and a playwright now, actually. <laughs> Rebecca Bonas, welcome to the show. Yes, that's who I am. <laughs> I'm a playwright you. actually I'm now. I'm actually a playwright, as in writing a play. Decided to cut three characters, reworking the whole thing, baby. Wow. Mm-hmm. I hated those characters anyways. <laughs> they fucking suck. They right. should be thrown in the trash, and they will be. Rebecca, we will ask you as we ask all of our guests, what is your religious background? All right. So my mom was raised, like, Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because we're Same. Cuban, and, you know, that's the vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my mom's Brazilian, hence the same vibe. Hence, yeah. you know, these freaking people these people and i can say that because i'm from there <laughs> mi gente love jesus no um so she was raised catholic waited till marriage and all of that shit wow. and she was like don't do that actually mm. rebecca my my uh daughter generational knowledge being passed down yes. from mother to daughter this is truly a thing okay i've been talking about this or i don't know i was talking about this recently if people didn't like the way their parents raised them if mm-hmm. they like had problems i think like women are good at fixing that and being like, hey, I didn't like this about the way I grew up. I am going to not parent that way. Mm-hmm. Men, doomed to repeat it. Mm. Dad. No. Anyways, so Men my are doomed <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yes. So my mom raised me very like openly. We went to um a non-denominational, some not like very strictly, 
called Unity on the Bay, baby. Nice. <laughs> in Miami, on the Bay, North Bay Village. And it was like a cool one where it has like a band and they're, and they're like freaking singing so good. And there are like gay people there and stuff. Well. And my mom's like, oh yeah, because like truly at the time my mom was with a woman. Right. Um, though she was not into the fact that my mom like went to unity, but that's a whole other story. Hmm. Um, but yeah, like I met Maya Angelou there once because she was there. Like, I don't know. It had pl- people She's sitting like in, sitting in on base. I assume? She like came and she spoke and like read poetry or some shit. And yeah, like I shook her hand. Like it was one of those places where I don't know, like that, that, the energy was very much, uh, like welcoming, yeah, inclusive, totally. And there, when I would go, there, there was like, uh, you could go up and be with the kids, and they'd kind of have like their kid version of like what was going on. And I would go there sometimes. And I do recall them playing Veggie Tales, which like is not non, you know, it's pretty non-denominational. Is actually. it yeah. really? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. But and also, it rules. It. Do- I mean, I did think it fucked well. for sure. <laughs> I think I it's fun. I mean, they're pirates sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but they're pirates who the don't do time? anything. Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> okay, so we have a hater. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not a hater. I'm a not liker. Okay, well, tell that to the freaking tomato. He's red in the face. He's mad about it. <laughs> is there a tomato? Truly can't remember. There is. Okay, good. His name is Thank Bob. Thank God for my joke. Um, uh, well, because on the other side, though, I would go to church with my grandma sometimes because my grandma like also was like a big part of raising me when I was younger. Um, but I was really edgy. So I would be like in church being like, um, actually one day I'm going to come in. This is literally a thing that I used to think when I was like in third grade. We're already laughing. Like, <laughs> it's already so good. No, I was like, okay, um, one day I'm actually going to like break into St. Rose of Lima, which is this church. And I'm going to freaking poster gay porn everywhere in the church because i was like politically this place is bad and i don't like it so i very much thought i was better but always wanted to try because i was never um what you call it what do you call it i don't know where where you can eat the thing the way you were never baptized confirmed confirmed there we go i was baptized yeah couldn't remember confirmed Confirmed. i was never confirmed but i always wanted to try the wafer right oh okay so like in Protestantism, you can you just have the bread. You don't need to be really. Confirmed. Yeah. Okay. No. So I always remember, like, I didn't want to be a part of it religiously, but it was that thing where everyone goes up to get like the wine and the and the bread, and and then it's like you and like maybe two other people still sitting there mm-hmm. because you're not the ones getting it, and that was like weirdly isolating. And I didn't like how that felt because mm. I like I like to be a part of things. Right. <laughs> Um, but I remember once Patty, uh, who is famously my aunt, who's a year older than me, um, she went to like, uh, that was her Catholic school. So I would go to church with her, uh, once I was like, and she's like my best friend, you know? And I was like, famously, famously, it's like, Patty, Patty, get me some, give me a piece of it. And she's like, no, it's a sin. And I'm like, no, do it. I want to see what it tastes like. So she got it. And like broke off a piece 
and then like gave it to me and I ate it and we were like oh my god I can't believe we just even did that <laughs> and yeah I mean didn't really taste great tastes like a wafer but mm-hmm. I'm like well the main problem was it hadn't been transubstantiated right yeah yeah exactly I didn't like feel it getting into me you know well because of the sin yeah because yeah. I was bad yeah but I knew it and I did it anyways um <laughs> So yeah, that was kind of sin. Congratulations. (laughs) I know. I was pretty wild. Um, But yeah, besides that, uh, I went from like, I think, you know, you go from being edgy and then being like, I'm atheist. And then like you're in middle school and you're like, actually, mm, I guess I'm like a like pagan. I'm kind of a Wiccan now. Yeah. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like spiritual, like not really knowing. No, agnostic. Being like, I'm agnostic. Mm -hmm. Not really knowing, you know, but just being like, hmm. And now um, I basically think that uh, I am God mostly Mm -hmm. in the sense that, um, and this is like half joke, half real, where I've always, my mom has always done that thing where she's like, oh, you know what? Just put it in the universe, man. Just put it into the universe. Like if there's something, you know, and and honestly, a lot of the times that I'm like, all right, just putting it into the universe, this thing's going to happen. No way that this doesn't happen. A lot of the time it freakishly does. So I'm like, hmm, I guess I'm God, you know? That mm-hmm. seems like the right conclusion to draw. Yeah. I mean, like literally last month. It's the Bruce Almighty hypothesis. Yes. Right? Okay. Quick example. There was this guy who came into my job once. I thought he was cute. We almost, we, I thought we were flirting. This was months ago. Think about him weirdly for some reason a lot. He was going to be the new drummer for like the sub drummer for Kinky Boots. Oh. So I was like, where the fuck is that guy? Why hasn't he come back in? And then like a few weeks ago, I was literally thinking in the morning, I was like, where's that guy? I hope he comes in. And then he came in that fucking day. Weird. That very day? That very day that I was like, he should come in again. He should come in today. And then he did. Same thing. I was like, I should see Lucas Hedges when I'm leaving this theater. And then I did. <laughs> well, that's like not that special. But no, just like little things like that. Then, then miraculously at the side door where I was waiting, he appeared. <laughs> for hours, <laughs> I was waiting for Lucas Hedges and there he was. No, but yeah, those. that's like... um I don't even know what what you categorize that. I think that's just like mostly self-involvement, but like in a way that like at least I'm putting energy towards something. Mm-hmm. And and um and then that that just means that I'm God basically. I'm my own god. We are all our own gods. I looked it up and that checks out. It's true. Thank you. You're welcome. And that's who I am. <laughs> and people love that I am God also. They haven't like, heard any complaints so far. Yeah. I mean, they love how their like lives are going with mm-hmm. me being God. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Cool. Well, our our topic for today, our Bible study, as you've is, already guessed, that is yes. not in the Bible. Um, moving very naturally from <laughs> honestly, when from I was reading topic. this up, I was like, sounds right. <laughs> uh, is the Shekinah, or in Hebrew, it's more like Shekinah. But we decided to keep it anglicized. Yeah, because it's kind of hard to say shechina like multiple times. Right. Unless you have your mouth kind of fixed for it. It's hard to go back and forth between Hebrew and English. Mm -hmm. They require your mouth to be in a different shape. I do it all the time, and you know what? It is difficult. (laughs) So (laughs) shechina is Hebrew for presence. Like, that's the the literal translation. And it's sort of drawn from the Hebrew word for to live in, right, or to dwell in? I don't know. That's my understanding. 
Are we in the etymology corner already? I mean, you're the only ones with the keys, so <laughs> you really have to be the one to take us there. All right. I'm uh, blocking you access to the etymology corner for right now. The most basic definition of Shekinah is it's the divine presence of God on earth. So in the early Old Testament, God is less like this omnipresent disembodied force that we, you know, kind of mm. think of it today and had more of a defined physical presence. Not not like a human form, but more of like a location. So in Exodus, Moses, of course, leads his people out of Egypt. They wander the desert for 40 years. Uh, Moses receives the Ten Commandments. And then they put the Ten Commandments in this special box called the Ark of the Covenant. It's just a very fancy box. Oh, I love that. And uh, that's where the presence of God dwells mm. in this box. And they create a very fancy tent called the tabernacle. And they that's where the box goes. Uh, <laughs> and so... Like included in your copy of the Bible are instructions on building your very own tabernacle. Yes, you can build your own tabernacle and your own Ark of the Covenant. That's right. You could also have slumber parties in there. Well, you kind of can't. You kind of can't. That's against the rules. Because the divine presence of God is in there and that like interacting with it can just kind of overload your brain and kill you. Oh, it will. Um, Well, if you're trying to have like suicide pack with your pals. That's right. If you want to have the last slumber party of your life. Um, And then eventually King Solomon builds the first temple in Jerusalem, and then the Ark of the Covenant is stored there permanently. I mean, it's not stored. It's it's housed there permanently. (laughs) And so that's where God lives Um, in (laughs) in the innermost room, because in in the temple, each like successive room gets holier and holier Mm -hmm. and fewer and fewer people are allowed to go in it. And so in the very innermost room, which is called the Holy of Holies, only the high priest can go in there and only once a year on Yom Kippur. And that's where... Uh, if I may, it's like the Bruce Lee film uh, Tower of Death, I believe it's called, where he has to fight his way up a seven-level pagoda representing the seven evolutions of his fighting style. <laughs> Listen, I believe you. I'm just going to say, yes, exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, totally. I 100% understand that reference. And boy, do I agree with it. And all the boys listening to the pot are like, yeah. No, I'm, I'm sure they're not because I think I got both the name and the number of floors. <laughs> so that's the Shekinah. However, it doesn't have to be in the temple. It doesn't have to be in the Ark of the Covenant. It's any time you interact with the presence of God. So when Moses, you know, talks to the burning bush, that's the Shekinah. Um, when Elijah hears the still small voice, that's the Shekinah. Um, when the Red Sea parts. That's, is that the Shekinah? That's simply the Shekinah. <laughs> um, when the moon hits your eye. <laughs> <laughs> when your hips don't lie. That's right. Shekinah, Shekinah. Shekinah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, you got in a Shakira before me. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, the word Shekinah does not actually appear in the Bible. Oh, guess what? It's time for the etymology corner. I'm keeping you out and I'm going. In. That's the door. <laughs> Thank you. We You're needed welcome. some new Foley work for the etymology corner. Um it's the same, the word for tabernacle hmm. is, um, like the word we translate as tabernacle is mishkan, which is just a different version of the same word. It has the same shoresh for all you Hebrew speakers out there. Shout out. The same the same shoresh as what now? As Shekinah. <laughs> as Shekinah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, no one knows what that means, and it will be very boring if I try to explain it. So, okay. <laughs> so really, where you find people using the word Shekinah, starting to talk about the Shekinah, 
um, is not in the Bible, but in the Talmud Mm -hmm. and the other like rabbinical writings starting after about 100 AD. And it's used in a way that's very similar to what Jesus says in Matthew 1820. So I assume the concept is a little older than 100 AD Mm because Jesus seems to be working from it, um, which is wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. So in the Talmud, rabbis will write stuff like, you know, wherever two people are gathered to study the Torah, the Shekinah is there. Um, Here I am, baby. Here I am. Yeah. It's closely related to the Jewish concept of Ruach HaKodesh. What is that? The Holy Spirit. Okay. Very literally translates as the Holy Spirit. Um, And that is like taken into Christianity uh, in a very similar way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like... In Christianity, there's the Trinity, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is like... Heard of them. <laughs> Big fans. Honestly, my squad. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Spirit is like, is the earthly aspect of God. So, mm. um, like, the Holy Spirit is what lives in your heart when you become a Christian. And it's like, uh, if you speak in tongues, that's like the Holy Spirit, like, kind of possessing you. Like, mm. like a demon, but mm. good. So that's... The overview, the background right. of like just the, the very basic definition of the Shekinah. Some interesting facts about the Shekinah. Let's hear them. You got it. So you <laughs> mentioned that it doesn't actually appear in the Bible. Yes. It doesn't appear in the Dead Sea Scrolls either. Okay. It really only starts appearing in the Talmud, right. which is something that you mentioned. Yes. Some parts of it that are dated to the first century BCE. Mm. Mention the Sakina and mm. about how it's present when there's a minion of people He's praying. Not, please explain the concept of a minion. A minion, and yeah. I'm... I like to pronounce it minyan, which is mm. how it's pronounced in Hebrew, mm-hmm. because then I'm not talking about a little yellow a little guy, a little yellow man, such as Bob or the other one, the other one who's who are, kind of tall. Right. Who are their names? I stand a tall minion. <laughs> <laughs> um, tall king. Absolutely, my boyfriend. <laughs> Uh, a minion. So that's how that's how I always heard it pronounced growing up. I think that's the Yiddish pronunciation. Yeah, that's how my mom pronounced it. Um, and all her stuff was American Yiddish. Mm. Um, it's 10 people praying. 10 men. 10 men. Usually. Women don't count. Yeah. In, in please, uh, please specify. Traditional Judaism. In traditional Judaism. Yeah. More liberal ones count women now. Right. So that's where you can find the Shekinah. Also, you can apparently find the Shekinah when you have three uh, wise judges sitting in, in righteous judgment. each has the, the holiness of three and one third regular men. Apparently. I would love to have that kind of math, like in my life. Like what? Oh, then I equal Judaism may be the religion for you. skater boys <laughs> who don't talk to their mom. Like two, two, two skater boys who don't talk to their mom Put together. together and that's you. Yeah, I'm worth two of them. <laughs> I agree. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, okay. most, most of the math that you'll find in the Bible is not going to make you very happy as a woman. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> That's true. Because you're like exactly two and a half times as impure as a man, I think, or something like that. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, women are sign trash. Her up. <laughs> Do I have a book for you? <laughs> the Holy Bible. Honestly, adding it to my list. <laughs> I want to tell you a little, um, a little classic rabbinical story Ooh. about the Shekinah, about right. how it's described. So this is about Rabban Gamaliel. Gamaliel. Sounds perfect to me. The emperor said to Gamaliel, you say that wherever 10 men are assembled, the Shekinah dwells among them. How many Shekinahs are there? (laughs) 
Thereupon, Rabban Gamaliel beckoned a servant and began to beat him, saying, Why did you let the son enter the emperor's house? Have you gone mad, said the emperor, surprised at the violence of the usually gentle Rabban Gamaliel? The sun shines all over the world. If the sun, answered Gamaliel, which is only one of a thousand myriad servants of God, shines all over the world, how much more so the Shekinah of God? There you go. That's also math, I think. Shekinah greater than Mm -hmm. sun. It's fucking math. (laughs) Break out the the books, baby. I was also, because I was raised uh, with like Matthew 18. um, Now that's math. I assumed (laughs) that when, like I learned about the concept of a... I liked it a lot. (laughs) Of a minion. And I thought that it was... Two or three people, because that's what it is. That's what Jesus says. Mm-hmm. And then I remember being like, 10? You need 10 people? That's way too many. Where does one even get 10? That's right. That's me like looking at other people's group texts. I'm like, what the hell? You know, eight people in your life? I don't know eight and people. And you are in contact with them? Yeah. That seems illegal. That's a minion. <laughs> get out of here. I don't want any part of it. So that's that's the Shekinah in like mainstream, like any kind of any denomination of Judaism. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it takes on a special significance in one branch of Judaism, which is Kabbalah. Oh, yeah. You may have heard of Kabbalah because of Madonna, who decided to get into it at some point. She likes to get into things. I don't know why. I don't know why, because Kabbalah is. It's an esoteric, mystical branch of Judaism. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think she probably considers herself esoteric and mis- mystical. You know, <laughs> that's a really good point. I think yeah. you may have just like the answer Damn was simple. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> think about that. Um, it was it was started in medieval Spain, uh, and then was continued or kind of refreshed by Isaac Luria, who was in uh, Syria, but what is now part of Israel um, a few hundred years later. Let's not get political here. I know. Okay. Ugh, I just, my whole body got tense. I know. Okay. <laughs> so it's, uh, if you've heard our episodes on like Gnostic texts, this is very similar to Gnosticism, but Jewish instead of Christian. Um, it has this weird, it has like all the emanations. They're called Sephirot. And it's, it's you don't obsessed, really need It's obsessed to, with numerology. Yeah. With, yeah. with really investigating every tiny piece of of Judaism and then like interconnecting it all and referring it, creating some sort of religious superstructure around it. Yeah, there's a lot of structure. Right. Um, And you don't really need to understand it. And actually understanding it, I'm sure, is like very difficult. But uh, the Shekinah... So much so that you're not allowed to study it unless you're a 40-year-old married man, traditionally. Traditionally. There's so Um, many things that they get to do. (laughs) (laughs) Run for president... Study Kabbalah. Study Kabbalah. <laughs> Those are the top two. Yeah. So, but in Kabbalah, the Shekinah is, um, she's associated with the highest emanation, and she's considered the feminine aspect of God. And she's a she. It's and not... Yas Queen. <laughs> and Yas Queen. And, and yas I, won't, queen. I won't jump back into the etymology corner, but it's an important thing to note that Shekinah, the, the divine presence, in Hebrew is a feminine word. It's Yeah, it's a feminine noun. You know, uh, nouns have gender in Hebrew, like Spanish or whatever. Yeah. How does it... Uh, no, that's probably too big of a question. Like in what? There's way? no question too big for no, our show. no. But like you know, like I know how feminine and and masculine yeah. in Spanish. Like, what is the version of that? So actually, uh, coincidentally, in Hebrew, a at the end of the word is also feminine. oh, it's the same. So, okay, yeah, got it, got it. Um, although in Hebrew, you also have to conjugate 
verbs by gender. No. So it's very confusing and difficult. Anyway, um, Kabbalah has a lot of like yin and yang type philosophy. So Mm -hmm. it's like dark is balanced by light. Male is balanced by female. The sun is Um, balanced by the moon. The sun is balanced by the moon. So you have like the male heavenly aspect of God up in heaven. And then you have like the earthly female aspect of God that is the like presence on earth. Um, The Hasidic rabbi Menachem Nahum of Chernobyl Mm. said... Only the, throwing out a lot of info here right now. <laughs> Only the Shekinah and God together form a unity, for one without the other cannot be called a whole. So you can see that's a, that's like a pretty... It's freaking Batman and the, the Joker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Does one exist without the other? Thank you for bringing it down mm, to my level. Yeah, I got you. So, so she's still like the divine presence of God on Earth, mm-hmm. but she's a she, and she's uh, personified as like... God's daughter or sister or, or most commonly wife. <gasps> Which like how lucky for male God that he can she can just be whatever. Yeah, she can him. just be whatever. You know, and that's what I think we're all dealing with. But also women. she's still him also mm-hmm. at the same time. Yes. Like when Nico, my namesake on the Velvet Underground record yeah. saying, I'll be, your, I'll be your mirror. Is that actually? No, it's not. <laughs> Just a coincidence. Would be because I was like, hmm, not spelled the same. Your parents fucked up. Wow, I can't <laughs> believe you know how to spell Nico's name correctly. You're um, like the first person. I'm smart <laughs> and I pay attention. Wow. So in Kabbalah, um, the Shekinah was in the Garden of Eden traditionally, um, but when Adam and Eve sinned, she left, or in some versions, she retreated to the first of seven heavens. Of course. And then each time humanity like does a big sin, then <laughs> she goes up one heaven, so mm-hmm. she gets further away. But then when the patriarchs uh, come on the scene, mm-hmm. when Abraham starts like founding uh, Judaism. Making covenants left and right, yeah, from my understanding. She, she came back down. And so some say she came back down and rode a piggyback on the patriarch's back, and that was her home for a while. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then when the tabernacle was built, then she moved in there. And then, uh, you know, the temple that becomes her her permanent she's home. She's a freaking grifter. She's a roadie. She's walking around. The I was thinking more of a hermit crab. Oh, you know, just crawling wow. into crawling into whatever. What? Because women are crabby. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Personally, I think a crab is a sexy animal. <laughs> Sleek shell. Strong pincers. What's the crab astrologically? Cancer. Are you a cancer? My sister is. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Shekinah wears a robe made of the light that God created on the first day of creation. Beautiful. Wow. And God used the robe as a source to make everything else. The second magic robe we've encountered recently. Uh, yes. However, yes. when Israel sins, the Shekinah has to wear the black garments of Lilith. Until Israel repents, because there's another yin yang thing going Wait, on. Wait, when here. who? When what? When who does what? When when? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> the people of Israel sin when they do bad. Yeah, when they do a sin. Okay. When they do yeah. when they do a big sin, such as worshiping idols, mm-hmm. which is the main sin they do in the Bible mm-hmm. over and over again. She has to wear slut clothes. She has to wear slut clothes. Okay. Um, and because it's like another yin yang thing, where she's like the the holy feminine, but Lilith is like the wicked feminine. Mm. Um, to hear more about Lilith, of course, please refer to our Lilith episode for <laughs> information on everyone's yeah, everyone's favorite <laughs> Babylonian night demoness. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Lilith's husband, the demon Samael, is uh, always trying to take advantage of humanity's sin to get one over on the Shekinah, try to get some of the Shekinah's power. Um, Men are leeches. They Apparently she's kind of vulnerable when she's like communing with humans, like when they're in the temple. Well, yeah, because she's then on the lowest of the seven possible Earths. Right. Are there the seven Earths I don't know. It's like the seven planes of earthly existence or, or whatever, something like that. Yeah. We live on the crappiest one, of course. Obviously. But I mean, that's is apparent. She mostly, is there like... Is she, is, is she like mostly found to be like in the nitty gritties or is it like you like of the earths of the levels or whatever? Or um, is, is, is it just kind of like I think of the, dependent? A, of the aspects of God, and I don't want to be quoted on this, so I shouldn't say it on a podcast, <laughs> but I think she's the one that sp- spends the most time down here okay. with us. That's what I yeah. thought. That's like her role. Right. Yeah. Is to be the earthly. She's a freaking stay at home mom. She's a stay at home mom. That's, she's more like a helicopter parent, really. That's because she's be... out there in the field with us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's like a, actually a really good analogy, which we'll get into later. Okay. Um, Am I smart? Okay. <laughs> congratulations, you're Thank smart. You. She's also the Sabbath bride, Shabbat Kala. Um, if you're observant, according to Kabbalah, uh, you get an extra soul during the Sabbath. Okay. You get a second soul that stays with you for the day, the twenty-four hours. And that's the Shekinah coming to dwell within you because it's the holy day. Um, that's why in the in the Talmud they talk about rabbis of old going out on the night of the Sabbath and then singing songs to, to Shekinah. Yes. To to ask like, please, come please us. come on, be yes. with us. You know, mm. which sounds like a party to me. Yeah, it sounds fun. <laughs> now, of course, the best Kabbalah story about the Shekinah is that the Holy of Holies, that sacred room in the temple, mm. the most sacred room is the bedchamber of God and the Shekinah. And they have sex there Uh. every night. And that achieves perfect unity between heaven and earth because their their bodies combine into one and all is as it should be. But then... Uh Uh-oh. We have a problem, right? When the temple gets destroyed, the two lovers are rent asunder. And we will get into that after the break. Wow. You can hear some music. We'll be back in about a minute. Bye. Bye. Okay. That had me on. Oh, God. I am so ready. Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. My name is Nico. And I'm Lauren. 
And we're here with Rebecca Bolnes. I'm high. Howdy. I'm high. She's high. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. I am what high have you on been smoking? life. Okay. <laughs> and we're talking about the Shekinah, which is the earthly presence of God. But in Kabbalah, it's also the feminine aspect of God and his wife, who he has sex with every night in the Holy of Holies, the most sacred room in the temple in Jerusalem. In the freaking hole, am I right? You're right. You know? Uh, Rebecca, how are you feeling so far about the Shekinah? Um, I feel... Okay, I feel that, like, A, part of me wants to criticize, but B, part of me relates and think is cool, thinks it's cool. Do you know what I mean? Please elaborate. Um, there's something about, like like the maternal sort of nature of like being um, like the the earthly connection and blah, 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 and almost seemingly like doing the work that like part of me is like, um, that's stupid. I don't like what that, you know, like if, if I'm being like very high, I'm a feminist. That's annoying to me. But also I'm a very maternal person and I don't think that's a bad thing, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't. I don't cross all the way over into like, no one should be a stay at home mom or whatever, you know? So it's like those two uh, morals or whatever are kind of battling. But in a general way. That sounds dramatic. Yeah. Everything's very dramatic for me. Um, Can I ask you, what do you know about the Babylonian exile? (laughs) Oh, Christ. (laughs) Sounds a little dramatico, (laughs) honestly. I know so, about Exile Island from Survivor. <laughs> That'll give you some perspective. <laughs> Tell so, me, please. Let me give you a little a little background. Um, so we've got the temple in Jerusalem built by King Solomon, and mm-hmm. it's the holiest place in Judaism. And everybody has to like make a pilgrimage there, and you have to do all these important sacrifices there. Mm. Uh, in the sixth century BC, Babylon conquered. The kingdom of Judah, dun, 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 dun. and they destroyed the temple, and they exiled the Jews. Um, it's a little more complicated than that, but that is that's enough for look now. Look it up, <laughs> yeah, right. Look it up and listen to like fifty of our episodes yeah. <laughs> where we really talk about it a lot ad nauseum. <laughs> then too much. About seventy years later, Persia takes over Babylon, and they let the Jews go back to Jerusalem. And rebuild the temple. So then we have the second temple. And that stood for several hundred years until the Romans destroyed it in 70 AD, shortly after Jesus. Um, But the Ark of the Covenant, which is kind of where the Shekinah lives, um, was destroyed in the first temple. And the Ten Commandments or whatever was actually in there, perhaps a meteorite. I'm I'm putting my money on meteorite. Uh, I'm going to say a Tamagotchi. (laughs) 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 I knew they they came from an ancient time. (laughs) The first Tamagotchi. Yes. Got it. Cast off from a distant star. (laughs) It's teaching you about life and death and destruction and And cleaning up poop. Legacy. Yes. The sacred Tamagotchi had been destroyed (laughs) and could not be rebuilt. Um, so the second temple, according to some parts of the Talmud, did not have the Shekinah in it. Mm -hmm. And it was missing stuff. I'm sure there has been a, uh, diversity of opinion, Mm -hmm. uh, over the, like, thousands of years. Um, What is there, like, a checklist of, like... They did put put together a checklist, yeah. I love that. Um, it's in the, like, there's very specific instructions for making the tabernacle and making all the things that go into the temple. There's the... 
the Urim and Thummim, which are like the magic the dice, magic dice. Um, and there's like all these special lamps and stuff. Um, and so they 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 were able to rebuild a lot of it, but like you can't rebuild the Ten Commandments that yeah. that God gave to you uh, on Mount Sinai. So some people believe that the Shekinah was not present in the Second Temple. I would guess this is when Judaism starts conceiving of God less as a fixed locale hmm. presence and as more of like the omnipresent being that we think of today. Um, that seems like a natural time to start, but I don't really know. Yeah. God, it's Nico. <laughs> <laughs> You're a biblical scholar, Nico. I'm not. Um, but I think that is supported by writing of the time. For example, that anecdote I told earlier about the about the rabbi, rabbi explaining to mm. the emperor about how there can be more than one Shekinah. The, the Shekinah fool. can truly be wherever, That's right. whenever. Shekinah. <laughs> I loved that. Yes. I did love that. I that thought was, of that one while we were on break. That was a sucker punch. You thought that on break and you were so like quiet, like you mm -hmm. didn't even let on <laughs> that you had a joke. She had that one in her back pocket. Wow. Um, but yeah, I think probably Judaism was changing substantially at the time um, in its conception of God as a as a thing. Right. Like, I mean, it, maybe under the influence of other types of philosophy or other types of religion, um, whether that's due to the exile or whether that's due to Greek influence or whether that's due to. I mean, surely a combination of a wide variety yeah. of things, probably. Yeah. But it, it pretty clearly indicates that. Scholarly thinking in rabbinical terms was shifting from taking this Old Testament idea of God was like really just there and in one place um, to separating it out, being like, well, that was one aspect of God. Well, you kind of have to at that point. Shift. You kind of have to. You yeah. kind of have to, right. It's also like growing up as a Christian, I never heard about the Babylonian exile. Mm-hmm. I read verses, like I memorized Bible verses that were about it, but I didn't know that's what they were about. Hmm. Um, and so it was weird when we read through the entire Bible on this podcast to realize that like 60% of the Bible is trying to deal with the gigantic intergenerational trauma of the Babylonian exile. Absolutely. It's that's like the main point of most of the Old Testament. Yeah, it's a demographic trauma and it's a religious trauma, philosophical one as well. They have to like totally reevaluate what it means to be a Jew when they don't have a, like the same homeland. Yeah. You know? And the consensus in the Bible, I don't know if that's the same as like what the average person thought, but in the Bible, it's conceived of as God is punishing us for our sins because we spent too much time worshiping idols. Mm -hmm. And uh, like... God is really, really mad at us. And that's like a very disturbing Conclu worldview. Conclusion to draw yeah, from that. Yeah, to, have, a, to, to have to live. It's an extremely pessimistic view of it. Right? Yeah. So, okay. So the Shekinah is in exile and the Jews are kind of in and out of exile forever after that, right? Right. Like, well, I mean, I think the idea is that the, when the Shekinah leaves the temple, either the first or the second, depending on how you how you look at it, goes to live with the Jewish people wherever mm -hmm. they are. And Kabbalah leans really hard on this bride of God metaphor. So the the myths around this tend to be like a divorce narrative ah. where God is like rejecting his wife and kids. Um, 
the kids being like the Jewish people. So the Jewish people are children of divorce. Very much so. That is very much how it's conceived And that's of. a type. <laughs> that's like a thing. That's a mentality. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, would you like to tell us more about it? Um, about being a child of divorce? Yeah. Mm, so I never thought of myself as a child of divorce, even though I am. Well, then it's not a type. <laughs> Canceled. I think there are ways to be a child of divorce when it's convenient for you. And I take advantage. But also part of me is like, mm, two Christmases. Love that. Two Christmases. You know? Uh, so we get a lot of the Shekinah is wandering around the ruins of the temple and calling for her husband. And, you know, like, ah. this is where we used to make love. Where has my husband gone? I love Awoo. the drama of that. Um, yeah, she says, Awu, another Shakina, another Shakira reference. <laughs> She's uh, a she-wolf. Anel <laughs> <laughs> <El> Armario. <laughs> There's also one where God acts like a husband whose wife has left him. Um, and he, he's asking the angels, like, what do mortal kings do when they mourn? Mm -hmm. And hmm. they're like, oh, they, you know, they extinguish their torches. And so God's like, okay, I'll extinguish all the stars. And oh, they like, they sit alone for seven days. So he like sits alone for seven days. I'm personally imagining Antonio Bandera, Antonio Bandera's God. Uh -huh. okay, Naturally. And then, and then um, she is going to be, because Shakira would be, too obvious. Yeah, sure. Too a little on the nose. We're gonna yeah. go freaking Penelope Cruz. <laughs> I was thinking Selma Hayek. I was almost gonna say Selma Hayek, but I was like, maybe too much. You know, she's. I don't know. I think I think Penelope Cruz can play like scorned more, hmm. or like you know. I wouldn't tell that to Selma. Oh my god! Please don't tell her. <laughs> I'm gonna tell her. Oh no! But I do want to <laughs> be friends. And there's this really weird myth. This is the weirdest one, hmm. where God takes Lilith as his consort hmm. in uh -oh. place of sh the Shekinah. So the true bride of God is exiled with her children while her enemy rules in her place. But then... Oh, that hurts me. Yeah. Yeah. But then, like, eventually one day, you know, the Messiah will arrive, mm -hmm. uh, the temple will be rebuilt, and then, you know, God will see his true wife and children suffering and he'll oh, but restore. how how much longer until that that's kind of the question that's always the thing that's kind of the question it's been like 2000 years yeah i um, feel that deeply in my life that storyline <laughs> storyline you know yeah <laughs> so choose your own adventure yeah that's that's what bible stories are supposed to do so mm -hmm. you did it congratulations thank you you love the bible now I stand the Bible. <laughs> I stand a legend, the Bible. <laughs> I really wish that I didn't actually stand the Bible, but I do. That's okay. It's a problematic fave. It's a problematic fave. Yeah. Definitely. We all have Maybe them. the original one. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of that stuff that you were talking about was from the Lurianic Kabbalah. Yes. Right? Yeah. So Named after Isaac Lurian. Isaac Luria. Luria. Yeah. See? I got Excuse it all me. nailed down. <laughs> um he was a he was a Kabbalist, like sort of late in in the trend, right? Yeah, he kind of uh, modernized it, so mm. it, it's from like the, <laughs> in the 16th century. <laughs> well, it's from like the 1200s, and he like modernized it in like the 1500s. Where did he come from? He was in Syria, but what is now northern Israel. Okay, tons again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> should not have asked. <laughs> but um, this is the stuff that reminded me so much of Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism, Rebecca, is mm -hmm. like. 
early Christian mysticism. I know what it is. <laughs> well, never mind. <laughs> you pronounce it like gnocchi. Um, <laughs> gnosticism. Gnosticism. Delicio. <laughs> uh, which is his term for it was, excuse the Hebrew, tikkun olam. Oh, yeah. Repair of the world in which God is said to have created the Jewish people in order to repair the breaches that took place in heaven at the time of creation. What a responsibility. I know, right? Wow. So his theories about this was that like when at the time of creation, everything was one and then it blew apart into all these different sections, including like seven layers of er, of like. There's a lot of seven, seven layers. It's very the universe is a bean dip. Absolutely bean dip esque. Oh, that sounds tasty. And which layer are we? I think we're what's the, at the bottom be- of the, bean the beans. <laughs> we're like the worst one. What what's the what's worst? At the one? bottom, the soggy chips. The like refried beans. Exactly. the beans. I think it's just the beans. We're just Ugly. the beans. <laughs> yeah, just the beans. Yeah. Hi. Okay. I'm just the beans. <laughs> just the beans, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like your seven layer dip. Just the beans. Only beans <laughs> for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, just a I funny kind of guy like that. <laughs> <laughs> they love me here. Um, Okay, so which the Jewish ve- people are repairing. Exactly, which is very... Thank you for keeping the show on track. <laughs> You're welcome. We really needed a strict disciplinarian. <laughs> Listen, I'm also a host. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the Gnostics believed that like this like it, bad image of God actually created the world and that only through... This like, lesser God. Right, that only through the worship of the true word, Logos, can you... like get the knowledge necessary to reunite with the perfect God and make everything cool again. In the pleroma. Exactly. Mm. So there are these evil versions of, not evil, but like sort of fallen versions of the world. Um, and unfortunately, the Shekinah is exiled on the last of them with us. It means that we got to work spiritually, mystically together to study the secrets, get everything in balance. Restore the wholeness of the Shekinah. But it, so yeah, so is she together considered again. like the perf- the perfect God though? Like we were saying, or... she's in in Kabbalah. She's associated with a whole bunch of things, but yeah. one of the things, a metaphor that might be helpful is she's the moon. Mm. So she has no light of her own. She reflects the light of the sun. However, okay, I have problems with that, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> however, she's vital. Like you Welcome can't, to the world can't exist without both of them. Got it. Okay. Yes, so... the yin and yang thing. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Batman, Joker. Batman, Joker. Yes. <laughs> but like, imagine if the Joker got split into several pieces and like you had to put them back together otherwise batman can't be batman a bunch of jokers i don't know sounds, we're actually living literally s- in that reality <laughs> we got joaquin we got jared and we got heath r.i.p R.I.P. is there another one i don't know anyways okay the only I'm one i recognize is jared <laughs> really no i love that for you <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm understanding so yeah, there's um in Kabbalah there's a big emphasis on like you do like good deeds and you do like you do like whatever religious observances mm-hmm. um and you study this stuff and in, try to incorporate it into your life if you're a Lubavitcher. Like in in hopes of kind of reuniting the Shekinah. Got it. Um I think Tikkun Olam is is like Used in different branches in different ways. I believe that. Um, I'm not super knowledgeable on the subject, though, so I'm not going to talk out of my ass upon it. Yeah. So, okay. The second temple is destroyed by the Romans, 70 AD. But a small part of an outer wall 
remains standing, and that's the Western Wall, or sometimes known as the Wailing Wall. Mm. Um, and that's the closest to like where the Holy of Holies used to be. So that's like when you go to the Western Wall now, you know, lots of like Jewish authorities say that's like where you can get the closest to the Shekinah. Mm. Um, there is an interesting Kabbalah legend where uh, Luria, also known as the Ari, Ari Ooh. means lion. That's a dope, dope nickname. But also All these worst rabbi- bachelor. Oh, I'm I'm not familiar with any he of the He was bad. That's all I needed. To, some people who, there's some crazy crossover where fans of this show also watch The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. That one person is like, she's right. <laughs> Go that on. That one person is like, I hate Kabbalah now. I hate Kabbalah and Ari. He's the worst. Trash. Um, so there's this legend about him and Rabbi Abraham Beruchim where Luria, as, you know, the, like, Kabbalist master has great mystical powers and he can like um, see the future and stuff. Mm-hmm. He has all these, you know, like magic powers. Cool. And he sees that his friend Rabbi Abraham is going to die this year unless he like makes a pilgrimage to the Western Wall and is deemed worthy to see the Shekinah. So he tells this to Rabbi Abraham who fasts for three days and then and then walks, you know, like a hundred miles instead of taking a donkey sure. uh, to Jerusalem. Express donkey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and when he finally reaches the wall, he sees an old woman dressed in black mourning clothes. And Uh-oh. when he looked into her eyes, he felt the deepest grief he'd ever known. And he passed out and he was like, oh, my God, this is the Shekinah. But as he faints, he sees another vision of the Shekinah, this time as a young radiant bride wearing mm-hmm. the the mm, magical the light in the dark. cloak of light. Yes, exactly. Okay. Nailed it. Okay. And she tells him, you know, don't worry. One day the temple will be rebuilt and my exile will end and everything will be great again. But what made him worthy? Was it the, like, pilgrimage itself? Do you know? Um, like... I think it was... The pilgrimage itself, along with his uh, long lifetime of like good deeds. Ah, okay. And then he gets home, and Luria tells him he's going to live another twenty-two years, one oh. for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which is like the most Kabbalah thing ever. And mm. all of Luria's writings include acrostics with his own name in them. Yeah, or There's, maybe not. Maybe I, not all, but a significant portion. Okay, of them. very diva. <laughs> <laughs> okay, actually, I do stand. <laughs> Um, Hebrew, like, didn't used to have separate numbers, right? So now they, like, in modern Hebrew, you just use, like, this, the Arabic numbers that mm. we use. Um, but it used to be you would just use the letter that was, like, that number in the alphabet. Oh, really? So, Seems confusing. Um, so when you talk about, like, numerology for Kabbalah, it's mm-hmm. also related to the alphabet. Of course, yeah. Mm. So Fun math, yeah. but also in uh, God ways. Mm-hmm. That's right. Math spelling. God. Yeah. Math God. <laughs> I, like, I like math rock. I like math God. <laughs> I honestly, I fuck with both. So there's a couple other female figures related to the Shekinah. Are you aware of these? I mean, only sort of generally. Um, Please tell me, does she have good female friendships? <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> no. I, the answer is almost certainly no. The answer is definitely right. no. Okay. She has, does it pass makes the Bechdel me test? <laughs> it does not pass the Bechdel. She has a great relationship with her children, mm-hmm. uh, and she's trying to get back with her husband. She's got to get that nice, you know, 
No, I was going to be very explicit. I'm just going to say, but you know a what? Hug from her man. <laughs> the Kabbalah is like the the myth is explicit. Mm. It's like they yeah. have sex in the in the Holy of Holies, and it's described in not in like x-rated detail but it's like you know world shattering like god enjoyed her breasts you know it's like it's like song of songs basically but is it not also almost just masturbation it is yeah it's both if you think of of, of married 40 plus year old men sitting around in a room talking about it in hushed tones yeah in a very charged charged atmosphere see that's more concerning like so when i think of it like on the like male god side i'm like no one cares no one needs to see that but when i'm thinking of it as like her and she's like jacking off i'm like okay woke like that's actually woke though but it's like that is it's interesting because like i i find i think like if i were to create a religion um the way i wanted to create it Mm -hmm. like God should be sexually active mm-hmm. because, like, sex is a normal part of human life. And it but makes... is that what makes it? But is there, I don't know, do you need that separation, though? Do you need, like, God to be less human? Because that is such a base human thing that, like, so primal, no one is, like, cool when they're having sex. <laughs> but, wouldn't <you> it be, <laughs> but wouldn't it be good if, like, if you were making a religion from scratch, wouldn't you want to be like, okay... I don't want everybody to have these weird sexual hangups that everybody mm, has. Yeah. Why don't we just say like sex is good, you know? For sure, for sure. And it's like it's holy and it's So it's, you're saying you want to start up a sex cult? I'm kind of saying I want to start a sex cult, but I'm yeah. also saying There's that, good like, money in sex cults these days. <laughs> I know you've done IT for one. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time I feel like when I think about a bunch of 40-year-old men Mm -hmm. like coming up with this i'm like it's bad though (laughs) like (laughs) Like it's it's so shifts with the context right yeah so it's hard to get a grasp on like actually how i feel so the other female figures that are related to the shekinah uh wisdom wisdom is (laughs) personified as a woman in the book of proverbs quite extensively um and it's she talks about in Proverbs, she talks about like, oh, I was present at the creation of the world. Right, Athena and Zeus as well. Um, Athena springing fully formed from the from the head of Zeus. That's true. That's like another version of it. Yeah. Um, there's is also there a name for wisdom. Like, what's like? It's well, like, chokma is the Hebrew word. Oh, okay. um, in Greek, it's Sophia. Oh. Okay. Um, and so, like in Gnosticism, Sophia is very important. She's the emanation that emanates the lesser god that creates the world that's right it's cool. stupid um, well i'm sorry sorry to all the gnostic, sorry to all it's, our it's gnostic listeners wow um he doesn't like sophia he's not a feminist and then christians do this weird retcon where they're like okay well wisdom must be jesus because jesus had to be present at the creation of the world as right. like an aspect of god so whatever but <laughs> that's kind of like the shekinah yeah, it's definitely in the realm of emanations. Yeah. You know. And like it's another aspect right. of God. It's like separate but also the same. Um there's also the female personification um at times in the Old Testament of Mother Zion, Ooh. like the land of Israel mm-hmm. itself, um which, you know, metaphorically gives birth to the Israelites and is kind of the mother while God is the father. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a forerunner. That's like the Mother Zion predates the Shekinah and kind of became it 
Mm, Um, That's all I have. Well, there's also, I didn't do any research about this, but there's talk about the Canaanite gods, Asherah and El. Yeah. Which sort of were like the local gods in the Holy Land before the Jews got there. And then El becomes the Jewish god, like the Jewish monotheistic god, and Asherah becomes a wicked idol that you're not allowed to worship. But El and Asherah were husband and wife and brother and and sister, like Hera and Zeus. Ooh, okay, spicy. That's like really common. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, your dating pool is like pretty small if you're a god. Right. (laughs) You know, so like... Like if there are like three beings on Earth, chances are you're doing some incest. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, dating wise seems easier. You know, that's, you have your options yeah, right true. there. Yeah. You, but you got to I mean, you got to put up with a lot of shit. Right. Because like because mm. your pool is so limited. Yeah, that's true. Like Zeus stepped out all the time. Um, and by stepped out, I mean, rape people in the guise <laughs> of a goose. I shouldn't what? laugh. No, I shouldn't laugh. That's terrible. Um, I mean, rape is bad. It is terrible, but it's it's insane. Yeah, but most also are. in the form of a shower of gold. That's right, and a mist? Question mark. Lots of things. Just like a dress. A sexy mist. A, a sex mist. <laughs> sex <laughs> mist. <laughs> on 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 in Walgreens today, Rebecca's a sex mist. <laughs> this is great. So so great stuff. this is yeah, great. We're good. Okay, so here's something I think is interesting. Yeah polytheism very popular these days especially well, in brooklyn you know what i'm talking about <laughs> oh okay called out that i live in brooklyn <laughs> what are you trying to say <laughs> a problem with monotheism is that people just like polytheism more <laughs> like mm. i think it's more intuitive and relatable it makes sense to be like okay i want you know, like a good harvest this year, I'm going to pray to the harvest goddess. And then if I do get a good harvest, like I'm going to thank her, you know, like that Mm -hmm. makes sense as opposed to like specified. There's one general invisible force that knows and sees everything and can do everything. And it's just like everywhere. I think that creates a paradox, right? If there's one thing, that's the thing that creates the paradox of evil, right? Like how can a good being allow evil things to happen. Right. And as if, it, if, it's, as if there's one thing in charge of everything, mm, naturally they why include is he allowing evil? all the contradictions, which is very difficult to understand, where if there's like a god of war and a god of harvest, you'd be like, well, there was a big war and yeah. our harvest sucked, but like you can't blame the god of harvest for that. There's right. a lot less questions I mean, it just or, seems or like doubting, so I guess. It's interesting to see how different strains of monotheism handle this, right? Like Catholicism has all these saints Mm -hmm. and so it's basically polytheism it's just like monotheism on a technicality Mm -hmm. um and that's like a great growth strategy for (laughs) the catholic church right they just they're they're a great lesson in corporate growth they just go everywhere and they're like okay like all your gods we're just gonna say those are saints now right and like all you have to do is accept that there's like one higher tier and it's like our god hmm. um and if you look at the Bible, like I was saying earlier, like so much of it is just about the Israelites are worshiping idols and now God has to punish them by exiling them. So like ancient Judaism like did really bad with this, they did. <laughs> you know, they suffered with this because they instead of like figuring out a loophole like the Catholics did, they're just like, no, stop. We'll kill you if you do this. We'll kick out all the foreigners. We'll build a wall like and it doesn't work. But we don't want to get political. That literally happens in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. It's not my fault. <laughs> so the Shekinah is kind of a way to make it work, right? In the sense that it's like 
kind of there's that dual yeah it's like another thing you can worship the other thing about monotheism is that like it doesn't have any female deities Mm -hmm. whenever there's only one god it's always a male it's so in my brain i immediately go to like oh what is expected of women Mm -hmm. in their relationships especially to like men Mm -hmm. you know it's like for a lot of men you know it's like i need you to be my partner my like lover but also like my mother and help me and do all of you know like the expectations you know so it's like like one side of me is like oh yeah it's cool to have um to like give power and like see like filling out the potential of all of those duties but then the other part of it is like you know that sucks yeah i mean it is it is a double-edged sword i mean because I'm also thinking, you know, like, okay, if I were to create a religion from scratch, I would have, like, female goddesses because I feel like we should, you know, think of women as just having as much, like, powerful and, power and, like, yeah. divinity as men. But then I'm like, okay, well, like, if you look at India that's polytheistic, it's not like the society is that super is- egalitarian, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's plenty of misogyny. Yeah. Like, no matter what. But I do think that as a growth strategy, it's smart <laughs> because like half the world is women and mm-hmm. it is weird when that's not reflected. Wait, really? That doesn't your... seem right. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It's 51%. My bad. Um, it's weird to like not have that very basic fact reflected in mm-hmm. your concept of like the universe. Right? right. And so I think, again, Catholicism solves this problem by giving us the Virgin Mary mm-hmm. and Catholics like venerate the worship the virgin mary and like protestantism doesn't have that and there's mm-hmm. it's weird it creates this weird like hole vacuum yeah, yeah. yeah um so i think the shekinah kind of fills that hole as well not in a way that really like contributes to like the equality of women or anything but it just makes more intuitive sense to have the female represented in your view of cosmology mm-hmm. and it's also like i think about like like, 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 what would any adjustment be? You know, it's like, oh, does she only represent the light? Like, well, that's that's simplistic. And that's like, you know, there there are more complexity. And, you know, that's a, that's almost like an idol type thing. Mm-hmm. But if she only reflects the dark, then that's also shitty, you know. So I don't know exactly where, like, like what the tweak would be to make it, you know, and but then I guess like nothing is perfect as like a concept, really. Nothing is perfect as a concept. Wow, we've solved it. Shocking truth. So we're sort of almost <laughs> about there, religion. Do you want to rate Shakina? I think we should rate this myth. Cool. Oh my god, Nico, how would you rate this myth? I think I'm going to give it eight out of ten people in prayer. Mm. Care to elaborate? Yeah, it's. I find it extremely fascinating. Um, it really ties in with a lot of the most interesting stuff we've talked about in terms of early Judaism, its relationship to the Bible, its shift past that, um, and touches down in medieval Kabbalah, which is wild to me, um, and has a lot of rich, strange flavor. Um, it also really illuminates, I think, how vital and interesting the discussions were about the Bible like just about the written word, like reevaluating what God was in these stories. Like, was this God, God, or was this the presence of God, or mm. was this some separate thing that is like that represents God? I think it's a it's a really interesting 
window into how those discussions were happening and uh, how the Bible is is thought of in those terms. And I found it like pretty fascinating to read about and talk about with both of you wonderful, intelligent people. And of course, thank you. Our okay, he's obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> our lovely and intelligent audience, who I can't thank enough. <laughs> um, Lauren, now you're what just did, pandering. What did you think? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna give it eight out of twelve fancy tents. I also found it very interesting. It's like a view into something that. I was just very unfamiliar with. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like oddly similar to the Christian Trinity, the idea of like, oh, it's like a different aspect. It's like separate, but it's also the same. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, I I guess I don't find it like super compelling as a myth personally. As a myth? Well, I mean, it's not really like formed as a myth, right? I mean, it's sort of a a theological discussion, right? Well, it's both, I think. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Like there's plenty of narrative myth you know all this stuff about she's wandering around the sure. ruins of the temple sure, sure, sure. calling for her husband and stuff um god's taking lilith as his consort what the fuck yeah. oh no um like i really liked all the myths about lilith the shakina i don't know mm. it's not like i just personally i'm not super into it but very interested to read about these like mystical ideas that i had uh, never encountered before rebecca what did you think? Um, so this whole time I've been imagining her as the, um, you know, the flamenco emoji lady. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, um, truly, that's what's been in my brain. <laughs> so I'm. <laughs> Thank you I for give, keeping that inside your brain for the whole episode. <laughs> you know, just got to give off the, the ration. fun. You have to ration. Yes. Right. Leave it to the end. Give them a little bite of their crazy of the cuckoo tango. mind. Yeah. <laughs> Or the give flamenco. Them little, give them a little bite of their crazy cuckoo mind. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so I'm going to do seven out of ten of those ladies. Cool. Because I, I mean, I found it really interesting. And I think it's like there are parts of just the idea and the story that I feel that I almost like just on a human, like woman level relate to. But like part of those things that I relate to are also things that I don't love, maybe about me or maybe about just like generally society, et yeah. cetera. Yeah. Like, like that shit about Lilith. Fuck me up. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I've been there. Right. When a Lilith has taken your man. Right. But oh, I don't my man. I don't have one. <laughs> um, well, your whole podcast is based about how you yeah, don't, how have I one. don't have one. Yeah. They've, all been, they've all been stolen by Lilith from my understanding. Yeah, right? basically. And that is the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think there's something very appealing about like the feminine idea of God being the one to, that really like faces the people that I find nice, you know, it's like, I don't know, you know, like a woman president going and shaking hands, (laughs) you know, and talking to the people that I find like very interesting, but there's the other part of me that also resents that of like. You know, because I, I think no matter where you place like this myth as like of like importance in your hierarchy of like the of your belief, I think there's still generally the idea of God is always going to be man is always going to be a male, you know, like 
in our society. Yeah, yeah. And, and like the society that I at least exist right. in, you know? So part of me that's like, well, why is the, the lady part doing all of the work and maybe getting less of the credit, even though it's one and the same, you know? Um, equal pay for equal work. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, that same thing about like mothering and nurturing and I do love the theatrics of like this bitch is out here in a wailing cloak. and moaning. Yeah. She's in a cloak, okay? Something bad has happened and then whew, spinning around. You know, I love the theater of that. Um you are a playwright now. I am a playwright right. now. And you do love the theater. And I do absolutely love the theater. I was there last night, I swear. Rebecca was at the theater. I was last at the night. theater last night. So I think Where I give, were you? <laughs> where the fuck were you? I think I give it a seven mostly because I like a lot of it, but I don't like what it reflects back to me about me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> and uh that's just very like a selfish way to think of it. No, but... that's the energy you, everybody takes to the Bible, honestly. Yeah. yeah, that like is the point of the Bible. I mean, that's not meant to be the point of the Bible, but that's what it ends up being. Yeah. But I, th- I found it very interesting and cool, and I, I'm glad I learned about it. <laughs> Yay. Yay. So we've solved it. Once again, another Once case Once again, done. nobody we needs to worry about religion ever God. again. We yeah. are, we're always solving God on God friended show. us. <laughs> <laughs> and this um, time she's a lady. <laughs> so. Holy shit. <laughs> let's take a very quick trip to the mailbag. Uh, we got a lovely email from listener Jonathan in Arkansas, who was raised in the Churches of Christ, which I'm not familiar with, but from what I read on Wikipedia, it seems intense. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for your email and good luck in law school. We also got an email from listener Claire about everyone's favorite early 20th century translator of apocryphal biblical texts. M.R. James. Appor- apparently, this we were alerted to this in several fora. Yes. M.R. Mm. James is a big deal in the ghost story. Okay. Yes. Genre. An icon? She Possible icon this detected. This listener okay. Claire wrote to us, and a friend of mine actually mentioned it to me after the Acts of Andrew episode, and at first I thought he must be confusing the two. I was like, there's more than one M.R. James. You know, there's mm-hmm. two Mr. Jameses. But he was not confusing them. It was the same guy. Um, so not only was M.R. James a big Bible boy, he was also a prominent uh, horror writer who influenced H.P. Lovecraft. That's cool. Listener Kayla sent us a cat named Floki to curse, whom she described as a very fluffy agent of evil. <laughs> so to Floki, I say, I will clothe the skies in blackness and make their raiment sackcloth. The sun and moon will become black and the stars stop shining. So I'm personally scared. Floki, watch out. <laughs> Also, if you want to do something good for the show Mm -hmm. to help us Mm -hmm. and indirectly your new favorite, Rebecca. Oh, my God. Who? Me? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. A nice thing to do would be to leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You could be like the brilliant and beautiful Matt H. who called us one of his favorite podcasts and gave us 1,252 out of 1,253 Lilith Demon Babies. Don't know where we lost that last one. One Demon Baby. Always room for improvement, though. That's important. Uh, Rebecca, where can people find you on internet? Oh, on internet, you can find me famously at Almond Milk Hotel, which is a uh, Twitter name I can, I guess, never leave behind Mm -hmm. me. Um, It's a good one. 
I mean, that's the thing. People like it. And I'm like, you know what? Okay. The people, that's what the people want. So the people want. It's fine. Um, you can find me there. Uh, you can also find my podcast, Classroom Crush, on Twitter at Classroom Crush. You can rate, review, <laughs> subscribe. Lauren's got an episode it's that's very good. good. Lauren has, listen, if you're a fan of this fucking show, <laughs> you gotta listen to the Lauren app. It's so good. Truly, I am not lying when I say I cried a little bit. And also, my mom cried a little bit. She actually cried. I did actually cry. And then my mom... And I talked and she was like, I also cried. So it also greatly expands the Lauren Nico mythology. Yeah, that's so if true. You're interested, it's the if universe. You're interested in the backstory. If, it, if you're interested in the LN extended universe, mm-hmm. check it out. Absolutely. The LN extended universe. Yes. Ellen DeGeneres. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Love her. Check that out. <laughs> Um, and have a good time with that. If you like Lauren's up, you know what? You're probably going to like other ones. It's true. Oh, if you, if you're a Christian person who also, or a Christian, uh, interested person who also listens to good Christian fun, which is a good podcast. This is not mine. Kevin T. Porter, who was the host of that was on my podcast also. So those are, those are two entry points for you right there. Strong choices. You can find our show on Twitter at Sunschool Drop. You can find me on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled with an A as in Apple. And still on Twitter at Nico Bakulich, N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-H. You can email us if you want to send us pictures of your dogs or cats. Maybe have us curse or bless them. We also accept turtles, birds, lizards, snakes. Frankly, we even did gritty. <laughs> give us what you got, and we'll figure out what to do later. We're at contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. That's contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. Do not do.com. It will send you to a bad place. It's a place for sinners. Oh, no. <laughs> and not the good kind. <laughs> As always, thank you to Elise Carlton for our logo and art. And thank you to Nico for sound engineering, editing, and uh, music, and also being a good husband. Oh. You're very welcome, my dear. <laughs> oh, my God. Trying to get me to cry again. They're trying to get me to cry. We'll be back in two weeks. We may or may not have cried before then. <laughs> I mean, I definitely will, but... We love you very much, and we'll see you soon. See you on Sunday. Bye. Bye. Thank you.